Today on The Matt Wall Show, governments at every level are seizing essentially unlimited power for themselves during this crisis. Should we be cooperating with this? That's the question we'll, we'll uh, tackle. Uh, also, five headlines, including another 30 days tacked on to the shutdowns, at least another 30 days. Can, this, can the economy actually survive that long? Plus our daily cancellation and much more all coming up. All right. So uh, uh, first of all, by the way, what, have, what are you guys doing about I was thinking about this this morning. What are you doing about uh, hair, haircuts and everything? Because I'm I'm on the verge of letting my wife cut my hair for me because I don't know how much longer this is going to go on. And I was thinking, and I really have no commentary to offer on this except to say that when you consider hair uh, barbershops and salons shut down for as long as they've been shut down, uh, on top of men growing quarantine beards, on top of people just not grooming themselves in general because they feel like they're not going to be around anybody other than their own family. And who cares if you're a disgusting mess around your family? I would say we are certainly at the, uh, perhaps the hairiest point in our history. This may be our hairiest moment, at least in modern history. So that's an interesting fact just to enter into the record books. Uh, but I would be, I, I would like to know what everyone is doing about the, the haircutting situation. That's, um, I do believe we should try to be self-sufficient. That's one thing though that's uh, difficult to be self-sufficient with that. All right, now I have argued extensively that shutting down the economy, locking people in their homes, causing record-setting unemployment, etc. These are not the right measures to take to slow the spread of the virus. We're ruining the lives and livelihoods of many millions of people. We're plunging into an economic crash unlike anything we've ever seen before, all to accomplish something that seems to me could be accomplished perhaps arguably in less costly ways. But there's another aspect to these shutdowns, one that I haven't been focused on quite as much because to me the economic fallout is the most, seems to be the most urgent problem. But this is very significant as well, of course, that the government, both at the federal and, and local level, is claiming for itself more and more power each day that in many cases it does not actually legally possess. It, can't, it doesn't have this power, it's just claimed it for itself. So let me give you a few examples of this, and we'll go from least serious to most, um, because something that is happening in New York City, is, is, uh, you know, that, or, or might happen in New York City, is just way beyond any, any kind of bounds. We'll get to that in a second, but a few examples from the past 24 to 48 hours. Uh, someone posted this picture to Twitter. We're not told where this is exactly, but it says... Has it come to this? Businesses being told to block off non-essential items they're not allowed to sell. Do we realize how dangerous this is to allow the government to dictate what's essential and what isn't? Uh, we've seen what they consider healthy. Slippery slopes here. And we see in the picture yellow tape blocking off some of the aisles. One of the, one of, one of the aisles appears to be uh, selling blankets and pillows, from what I can tell. The other has toys. We can't tell what else is being blocked off. Now, like I said, we don't know where this is, but I do, I do know one place where this is happening. I'm not sure if this, is, if this picture is from there or not. But um, according to Fox 59, officials in Howard County, Indiana, have ordered essential stores, stores that are deemed essential because they sell essential items, to stop selling items that are not essential. So they can, they can be open, they can sell the essential items, they can't sell the not essential items. The Howard County Board of Commissioners has decreed that the following items are not essential. Jewelry. Furniture, home and lawn decor, toys or games, carpets, rugs, flooring, non-emergency appliances, music, books, magazines, craft and art supplies, paint, entertainment electronics. All of those are non-essential. Uh, 
Okay, now, the first problem that immediately springs to mind here is that if you're trapped inside, especially if you have kids, toys and games and craft supplies are pretty damned essential, it seems to me. Um, They're essential to the psychological health of your children and your own psychological health as a parent, most importantly. I mean, the kids are trapped inside. They're not allowed. in, In many places, you can't even take them to a park. You can't take them to a playground. Um, and especially if you live in a suburban area, now, fortunately we live more out in the country, so there's plenty of places, places for them to go outside and run around. But if you don't have that, then what the hell are your kids going to do? You can park them in front of the TV, I guess, for hours at a time, days on end, but it's good to have things like games and toys and that sort of thing. So the kids have something to do. I would consider that pretty essential. I mean, at least it's not as essential as like water, but it's more essential than say a lot of the snack foods that a grocery store would sell. I assume like ice cream and cookies and that sort of thing. I assume those are still being sold, right? So what's more essential for a kid during a quarantine? Cookies and ice cream or, you know, uh, arts and crafts supplies? I know what he would say is more essential to him, what the young child would say. But as a parent, what would you consider to be the more essential resources to have at your disposal for your kids? Um, So what, we've decided that all food items or we haven't decided this, in this case, this board of commissioners has decided that all food food items are essential, um, but most everything aside from that is not. Based on what logic? How have they come to this conclusion? And the other question, of course, is how does it significantly increase the danger of infection or of spread if I'm already in the store and I've been walking around the food aisles and then I stop by on the way to the on the way to the cash register. I stop by in the game aisle really quick and grab Monopoly. If I've managed to navigate the food aisles without getting sick or without spreading a sickness to other people, then isn't it safe to assume I can repeat that feat for another minute or two as I go to a different aisle of the store? But the thing is, all those questions are sort of irrelevant. The real question is this: How does the board of commissioners in a county have the authority to decide what? which individual items are essential and which are not, and then to prohibit the items that they have deemed inessential. Yes, local governments have the authority to issue quarantines under certain circumstances, but how do they have the authority to impose these kinds of very specific, subjective, arbitrary preferences on the public? So according to them, they're going to say, no, the snack food is more essential than the board game. That's what, okay, you say that. Is that, is there any science behind that? Is there any kind of, that's just, you've just decided that. You as a person in government, in very local government, have decided that. Why should that matter? Why should you be able to decide these kinds of things just because there's a virus? Could could they actually start whittling down the food aisle too? Could they say, okay, uh, no, even, you know, you can't just go in there and buy food. That, that's too much freedom. So here are the approved food items that you're allowed to buy. And we're going to post uh, police officers outside the grocery store. And when you come out, we're going to check your bags, make sure you only have a, approved food items. If you have an unapproved item, it's going to be confiscated. Could they do that? It seems like, yes, they can. Now, I mean, uh, legally, I would say they can't, but th- that is a, a, a power that we apparently are willing to give them, lawfully or not. Um, and then it raises other questions too, like uh, if, if uh, 
if, if they can do this because of a health crisis like a virus, well then, what about in normal times? Couldn't they say we have a health crisis of obesity and heart disease and, and therefore you're prohibited from selling if you're a grocery store? You're prohibited from selling you know, such and such food items that contribute to that crisis? Couldn't they say that? Again, I would say legally I don't see how they could, but this apparently is a power that we're giving them or, or that we're going to allow them to take. Where does it go from there? Before we move on, um, I want to tell you about Noom. And I think this is a very important thing as we're talking about food and everything, and especially as people are locked down and you're not uh, getting as much exercise and, and everything that you normally would be getting, it's even more important to be healthy. You know, and that's what Noom is all about. It's all about making healthy decisions, it's about, it's about helping you adjust your lifestyle, get into healthy habits. That's what I found to be so important about, about Noom is the, is the way that it helps me form good habits because I know I get stuck in really bad habits. And I'm struggling with that now, especially. I'm snacking a lot, you know, because you're bored. A lot of it is boredom snacking or, you know, just the stuff is there. You're, you've got extra food in the house. You're trying to stay, keep, keep supplied. And so you have to kind of ration it. Um, and uh, Noom can help with that as well. It helps, it helps you understand the psychology behind better decision-making to make you smarter and put you in charge with moderation over restriction. You know, it's not like there's good food or bad food or off-limits food. It's just about, it's just about that. It's about moderating and about having a strategy and how you eat, you know, not just jumping in, diving in headfirst, as I can tend to do. Um, now, you could join the Noom community. Uh, pair up with a virtual coach to plan your strategy to reach your goals. Your personal coach and the Noom community are there to keep you in check and inspire you along the way. If you crave more knowledge, Noom's blogs and supplementary materials are there to satisfy your curiosity and make your health goals even more attainable. So shut off all the noise and sign up for your trial today at Noom.com slash Walsh. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash Walsh. Get personalized guidance at Noom.com slash Walsh. That's Noom.com slash Walsh. N-O-O-M dot com slash Walsh. Okay, so meanwhile over in the UK, this is in the UK, but it's still relevant if you're in the United States, a tweet from the Warrington Police Department, it says, overnight, six people have been summoned for offenses relating to the new coronavirus legislation to protect the public. These included out for a drive due to boredom, returning from parties, uh, multiple people from the same household going to the shops for non-essential items. Okay, these are people that have broken the new laws. That a very important law of, uh, of, of, being, of not driving out of boredom. Now, how do they know that people are out driving because of boredom or because they're returning from a party? How do they know that? Well, I would assume it's because they're pulling people over at random and asking them where they're going and why. I don't know how else they could possibly know it. And then ticketing them if the reason is not approved by the government. Again, there's a, a million problems here. Uh, just, just one that I'll point to briefly is uh, how, how does this not increase the risk of spread? You know, you've, you've got someone just going out for a drive, assuming they're obeying all the traffic laws. Now, if they're not obeying the laws, if they're speeding or being reckless, then give them a ticket for that. But assuming they're obeying the laws and not putting anybody in jeopardy, they're in their car how are they going to spread the virus? Is it going to be like a drive-by spread? Are you afraid they're going to roll the window down and start coughing on random pedestrians as they drive by? Now, even if they did that, the chances that they would actually spread it that way seem to be slim to none. But again, if they do that somehow, if this is a crazed 
biological terrorists trying to spread the disease, then you know, arrest them for that. But if they're in the car and they're going for a drive out of boredom, I, I just don't see how they're putting anybody at risk. Now, you could say, well, they could get into an accident. Even if they're obeying the, all the traffic laws, there's a possibility of getting into an accident. Okay, yeah, there's a possibility, and then there's a risk of spread there. But where does that possibility come from? It, becomes, it comes because you're, you got into an accident, and now you have to have an interaction with the police, probably if it's a fender bender or even with the, you know, maybe you end up in the hospital. But so your way of mitigating that is to guarantee that every time someone gets in a car now, they're going to have an interaction with police because you're pulling them over. So the police have to interact. And the reason the police are doing that is because if they don't do it, then there may be more interactions with police. And then it doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. There's no reason to do this other than we have the power to do it. Now, back to the U.S., and I think the worst example of government overreach that we've seen here yet. Um, this is, uh, well, I'll, I'll let him speak for himself. This is Mayor Bill de Blasio in New York. Listen. Everyone has been instructed that if they see worship services going, uh, services going on, uh, they will go uh, to the officials of that congregation. They'll inform them they need to stop the services and disperse. If that does not happen, they will take additional action up to the point of uh, fines and potentially uh, closing the building permanently. Okay, so there you go. There's uh, Bill de Blasio. I'll have plenty to say about that, but before we do, a word from uh, our very good friends over at Rock Auto. You know, rockauto.com, especially these days when maybe you can't get out of the house, you don't want to leave the house as much. Uh, This is even more reason if you have car trouble because you still still need to have your car um, functional. If you have car trouble, then rockauto.com, even more now, is, is the way to go. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, uh, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. So even if you feel like going into a, to a, a traditional store, and if it's open for you to go into, well, it's probably not going to have what you need anyway. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning from the people at the desk where you're embarrassed if you can't answer it right away? Um, and then you have to wait while they look it up online and then they tell you, oh, we got to order that. It'll, it'll be in, in X number of days or weeks, right? Why go through that when you have access to all of those parts that you need in the phone that's in your pocket? Just pick it up, go to rockauto.com. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use for other important things like your mortgage or food. There are a million things you can use it for. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts that you would get down at the store. So why would you choose the extra hassle and the extra money? Um, rockauto.com is a family business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com uh, to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your car or vehicle um, and uh, choose, choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. It's an amazing selection, reliably low prices, Everything you could possibly need. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Walsh in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So that they know that we sent you. All right. Um, so Bill de Blasio says that if you uh, have a, a worship center open, it'll be closed, perhaps permanently. He might close it permanently, as in you can never open it again. Bill de Blasio thinks he has the authority to close churches and synagogues permanently if they don't comply with his demands. By the way, notice how he singles out church and syn- churches and synagogues. You didn't hear it in that clip. 
You can kind of tell based on the context that that's what he's talking about. Um, but it, you didn't hear in that clip, but he also said, quote, if you go to your synagogue, if you go to your church and attempt to hold services after being told so often not to, our enforcement agents will have no choice but to shut down those services. I don't say that with any joy. It's the last thing I'd like to do because I understand how important people's faiths are. That's the old, uh, this hurts me more than it hurts you thing, right? That you hear from abusive spouses or parents. Um, Church or synagogue, he says. Church or synagogue. What's missing here? What type of worship building did he not mention specifically? Isn't there another one that you you might find in in New York? Oh, yeah, mosques. So, So what, are mosques allowed to continue operating? Now, de Blasio, uh, whether we're including mosques or not, at least with churches and synagogues, he says we can close them permanently. Does he have the constitutional authority to do that? Can he completely override the First Amendment in the name of keeping us safe? Can he just toss it out like it doesn't exist? No, he can't. And if he were to try to do this, if he were to actually try to close down places of worship permanently because they're not complying with his demands... Well, all I'll say about that is that is that the founding fathers would recommend armed revolt in a case such as that. And I would not be one to argue with those recommendations. That's all I'll say. Um, now, we have to ask ourselves, what, what do we think this is about? The government officials who are threatening to close down churches forever, trying to decide what items a store can sell, having drivers pulled over and questioned telling their citizens they can't go for long walks outside, giving them a time limit on the amount of time they're allowed to spend outside as the mayor of Chicago has done and other places as well that's happening. Do do we think this is all about their undying passion to protect the public? Is this this about them being public servants that are really into safety and just just have a great compassion and and a passion for for, uh, protecting people? Or is this a power trip by out-of-control narcissists? You even, I mean, just look at the, the facial expression of Bill de Blasio as he's talking about this. You can even see this kind of smirk on his face because he loves this. He loves being able to say this, especially someone like de Blasio, that, he, that he's able to get up there and threaten to shut down churches. He loves every minute of that. He's enjoying that. Um, what we find, yet again, as we have been warned, as the cliche goes about power and, and how it corrupts, when you hand people basically unlimited power, as we've done during this pandemic, it will be abused. It will be used for purposes that have nothing to do with public safety or anything like that. And the other problem is we're not going to be able to get everything back that we gave up. That, that's another thing that we have learned. The government never temporarily seizes power. That never happens. It will always retain at least a piece of the power that it took for a, quote, temporary measure. And usually the most important piece. And before long, people just get used to it and and don't really ask questions anymore. Or after a while, if you do question it, you're seen as sort of a radical, sort of a, I mean, just think about 9-11, all the different ways that happened. Just one example would be um, the government decided it had the authority to set up these these uh, these government agents in every in every uh, airport, and if you want to get on an airplane, now you have to submit to 
whatever amount of searching they decide they want to do. Up to an, up to and including groping you in your in your you know genital region if they decide that's what they're going to do. Now, when when they when the government first started doing this, people protested and reacted the way you would expect people to react. When the government just declares that you know what we can do this now, if you want to get on a plane, you're essentially a suspected terrorist, and um, and you're you're the Bill of Rights is is at least for the for the time you're going through TSA is suspended, and we can search you, and that's it. Even though you're not specifically suspected of a crime, there's no reasonable suspicion, the fact that you want to get on a plane is reason enough. At first, people protested it, and but now everyone's kind of gotten used to it, and they complain a little bit, but if you actually suggest, if you actually get up there as I have and, and, and really propose that we should get rid of TSA, and go back to allowing the air- airports to do their own security. Because, by the way, 9-11 was not really a failure of airport security. It was a failure of government. Government had many opportunities to, to, to catch these guys before they did what they did. The government failed. And because of the government's failures, the government gets to take more power. Only in government does it work that way. You fail and you get more power. Your punishment is you get more power. So, But now, you know, people, people protested at first, didn't like it. Uh, gradually they got used to it. And now we're at a point where if you actually suggest we shouldn't have this, which is what, you know, like half the country or more, when the, back in when, when TSA was first proposed and first initiated, the majority of people would have said, no, 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 we can't do it. But now if you, if you really propose that we shouldn't have TSA, most people are going to look at you like you're some kind of crazy libertarian because they get used to it. How many things that are happening right now are we going to just get used to as a part of life? How many of the things that we all recognize as dramatic seizures of power now will we 10 years from now accept as normal? And so that if someone complains about it 10 years from now, they're seen as crazy, radical, libertarian, uh, basically anarchists. There's a, that's a very serious question we need to we need to ask ourselves. All right, before we go to headlines, if you haven't had a chance to see some of our new content called All Access Live, you should head over to dailywire.com, check it out. Uh, we unveiled it a few weeks ago, and it's a it's a more norm, it's a kind of more relaxed programming style, and we're sitting there having a conversation, uh, kind of a Q&A, but I don't really like to call it a Q&A because that makes it sound even more formal than it is, and I really enjoy doing it. I'll be doing it again on Wednesday, 8 p.m. Uh, uh, Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific. And all you do is you come by and, and like I said, it's, we're all sort of isolated and quarantined and this is a, a time for us to have a conversation. The show is originally intended for our all access members, but during this national emergency and time of isolation, we've opened it up to all of our members uh, and in doing so accelerated the launch. So please join us. Let us know what you think about it. We'd love to get your feedback. And if you're around at 8 p.m. Eastern tonight, 5 p.m. Pacific, join us on all access live over at dailywire.com. Now uh, to headlines. Number one, to get the economy, the idea of getting the economy up and, and going again by Easter is now officially out the window, it seems. Trump yesterday said that social distancing guidelines will be extended on another 30 days. But um, Trump also says that that's okay because we've saved 2 million lives already through these measures. Now, I'm not sure if Trump is, is aware of this or not, but the model that he's using to come to that number has been significantly modified. So it's not, I don't think anyone now 
really seriously says or, or proposes that millions of lives are at jeopardy. Um, but either way, another 30 days. The problem, of course, is that the economy is not going to survive another 30 days. So you could say 30 days, you can keep everything shut down for 30 days. But the economy is going to be in ruins by the end of it. Millions of small businesses are already on a knife's edge. Many of them have already gone under. They don't have the ability, the financial ability to continue on for another month without revenue. It's just, it's not an option for millions of small businesses. And we say small businesses, we're not just talking about really small mom and pop type shops that have one employee, you know, that's the, a family member. Yeah, we're talking about those too, but not just those. We're talking also about companies that employ dozens of people. You know, there aren't many businesses in America that have the ability to go to zero revenue for 30 days or more. Really, by the end of 30, it'll be, what, almost, it'll be over 40 days if it even ends at that point. The majority of business, the vast majority of businesses in America do not have that ability. They, they, they don't have those kinds of cash reserves laying around. Um, remember, 3 million people were officially put on the unemployment rolls the first week of the shutdowns. The second week, this past week, we don't have the official numbers yet, but if you look at the state numbers, you can already tell it's probably going to be more than 3 million. And so we're entering a point where every successive week, the unemployment numbers will break the record set by the week before it. And those are just the official unemployment numbers. We're not even talking, those are just the people who uh, can apply for unemployment and do because, and, and are actually able to get through because unemployment websites across the country are crashing and shutting down. The phone lines are jammed. So the people who actually successfully apply for unemployment, they're going to be a small fraction of the total number of people who are actually unemployed. So what will the actual unemployment number be on April 30th? I don't know, 60 million people, 70, 80 million, I don't know. Uh, we are charging headfirst into a catastrophe, and it's become clear to me that as we do this, you know, a, a lot of people don't realize two things. Number one, they don't realize that the government does not have a magic wand. And so the government can't magically just freeze the economy in place and then come back 40 days or three months later or however long and zap it again with the magic wand and everything goes back to normal. The government can't do that. The government also does not have the godlike power to resurrect something that is dead. And if the economy dies, the government can't perform a belated Easter miracle and resurrect it. It's not going to happen. Because those businesses that have gone under, they're gone. They don't magically come back to life. The people that have lost jobs, at the end of the shutdown, they don't magically have a job now. Many of them. Now, many of them will be able to find other jobs, not all of them, though. And also, we have to think about what other jobs, you know, we have all these small businesses shutting down. Um, and a lot of people are going to be out of a job for a long time because they're not going to be able to find another one. But what are the companies that are still hiring? Walmart, Amazon, those kinds of companies. And so what we're seeing is, is these, these big corporate chains that are and they've been, this has been happening for a while, of course, for a long time, for decades, slowly. But now in the course of a few weeks, we've seen a dramatic shift. And it's almost like the transfer, transformation is complete, where these big chains are 
cannibalizing permanently a lot of these uh, small businesses. And so when you see these numbers of, of how many people Amazon is hiring and Walmart and people celebrate, oh, there's still people being hired. That is, it's good that folks are getting a job. But what it represents is a new reality for us where you've got a handful of these big corporate chains and they control everything. And you might say it's already been that way. Well, no, not really. Because there were still tens of millions of small businesses in America. Soon that's not going to be the case anymore. Um, and the second thing to, to, to keep in mind here is that just, you know, a, a depression is a very bleak affair. Um, it's not, I, I think a lot of us, we, we're, we're, we're sort of whistling past the graveyard and we, we don't realize what this is going to mean for us. I also think there are many people who assume that they're somehow going to be insulated from the reality of an economic crash. And that's probably not the case. I think there are probably a few people, very rich people, who not only will be insulated from an economic crash, but will profit off of it. That's always going to happen. You're probably not going to be one of those people, and neither will I. Okay, going on to the uh, second headline. Here's perhaps a, a, a preview of one of the one of the one of the widespread ramifications of a economic depression um, in Knox County, Tennessee. In the span of just 48 hours, according to the mayor, there was nine suicides. In Portland, the police say that suicide-related calls skyrocketed by almost 25 percent in just the first week of quarantine. And these are only two local anecdotes. I think, sadly, we're going to see a lot more of this. Now, we already know, as studies have shown, that Suicide rates go up during economic downturns, and that's to be expected. But what happens when you have not just a downturn, but a full-scale crash? And what happens when that crash occurs while people are isolated? How much more is that going to uh, amplify the tragic results? Number three, lighten things up a little bit here. Uh, headline from the Daily Beast, Joe Biden launches podcast. Here's the deal to provide a voice of clarity during uncertain times. Just what we need. I, I know I was, this is what I've been waiting for to get me through this is a Joe Biden podcast. Now, the only caveat here, of course, this is a Joe Biden podcast, so it's only going to be available on record. You can, you can play it on your record player. Though the Biden camp says, because they're on the cutting edge here, they say that they're planning within five to six weeks to roll out a cassette version of it. So that way you could sit around with the record player with your family, listen to podcasts, or you could pop it in the Walkman, a rollerblade around town listening to it before you get stopped and ticketed by police. Number four, um, I'm probably going to want to expand on this and talk more about it in depth, maybe tomorrow. But for now, here's the headline from the Washington Post. It says, perspective, homeschooling during the coronavirus will set back a generation of children. Now, will not su surprise you to learn that I, I, shall we say, do not agree with this perspective, to put it very, very mildly. In fact, I would say that freeing our kids from the grasp of the government school system is maybe the only positive thing to come of all this. But ju just, just imagine, imagine the mentality of someone who is worried that kids will be set back because they're around their own families too much. They're going to be set back because their parents are educating them. In other words, they're going to be set back as children because their parents are doing what parents are supposed to do, which is teach and educate their children. 
Number five, reading from Yahoo Finance, it says it doesn't matter that the United States surpassed China this week in reported COVID-19 cases because those numbers don't tell us how many people actually became infected in either country, nor do they tell us how fast the disease is spreading since only a tiny portion of the population in the United States has been tested. The numbers are almost meaningless, says Stephen Goodman, a professor of epidemiology at Stanford University. There's a huge reservoir of people who have mild cases and would not likely seek testing, he says. The rate of increase in positive results reflects a mixed-up combination of increased testing rates and spread of the virus. Um, I just wanted to read that because it's an important point we have to keep going back to. And the media would like to ignore on the rare occasion that it actually reports something like that, as Yahoo did, to their credit. But um, we, need, we need to remember that. that the inc- Yes, the, the disease is, is spreading. That's certainly the case. But we don't know how many people had it and got over it. We don't know how many people have it just mild with mild cases and they're staying shut up in their house as they're being told to do and not getting tested, uh, so on and so forth. All right, let's move on to our daily cancellation. We'll be canceling Gwyneth Paltrow. Now, this is from a few days ago, but it just crossed my radar. Actually, my wife told me about it. Uh, my wife told me about this Gwyneth Paltrow thing, and then I told my wife because she had never heard about the infamous Paltrow candles. Somehow my wife hadn't heard about that, so we swapped Gwyneth Paltrow stories, um, which reason is reason perhaps to, to cancel us, I suppose. Anyway, Gwyneth Paltrow um, is reading now from, I think this is from page six. Gwyneth Paltrow is offering her Instagram followers some advice while they self-quarantine. Paltrow 47 shared a photo of herself wearing gloves and a mask after a trip to the farmer's market, assuring fans that her and hubby Glee co-creator Brad Falchuk only removed their masks and gloves once they neared their home and with no other pedestrians around. Earlier this month, the Oscar-winning actress was criticized for a controversial selfie posted to her, her Goop Instagram account featuring the star donning a pricey outfit. Many viewed the post as being tone deaf. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Okay, here's the part that gets her canceled. I don't care about that. Um, the Goop founder recommends that everyone transform enforced isolation into an opportunity to, quote, write a book, learn an instrument or language, or learn to code online, or draw or paint. Okay. She's canceled for that because um, it's advice that ignores the existence of children. And now if you're quarantined by yourself, or just with a spouse, or even with older kids, uh, I could see maybe, yeah, try to do watercolor and learn French or whatever. Fine. Not a bad idea. But I happen to be locked down with four kids under the age of seven. And so the only language skills I'm learning are just new and inventive ways of saying things like, be quiet, go play outside, stop hitting your brother. That's a big one. I guess I could learn how to say that stuff in French. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe my kids speak French. And that's why they don't listen. I, maybe, maybe that's the issue all along. I could try it. it. It's been good, too. Don't get me wrong. We've, we've had a lot of family time, uh, a lot of family time, a lot of family time. And my wife's had the kids doing arts and crafts. And uh, I've taught my son how to play baseball. That's been a good, real baseball, not t-ball. He'd been doing t-ball before. So I taught him, I taught him how to you know, hit, hit the ball like a real baseball player. Um, and we've... Um, We've played board games, and my daughter has discovered a passion for doing the dishes, which is great, very nice. So she knows how to do the dishes now and, uh, and also and enjoys doing it. She can also change the baby's diaper, so, which, which means that I'm basically tapped out on those fronts because anytime it's my turn to do it, I just say to my daughter, hey, you know, you, and she loves it. She loves doing it. Um, so there's been a lot of positive stuff happening, but 
you can only stay locked in a house with four kids for so long before chaos ensues. And, and that's the point. And in fact, we've had the added complication of the fact that um, we, we, we have a toy room in our house in the basement, strategically placed, so that we could just tell the kids, go play down in the basement. And, um, and you know, a place for them to destroy if they want to. Like the mayor of Baltimore said during the riots a few years ago. Give, them, give the rioters space to destroy. Well, I have a similar strategy with my kids. We put them in a the basement. Go destroy that if you want. The problem is they took us a little bit too literally on destroying it. And someone, one of my kids left the faucet on in the upstairs bathroom. This happened on Friday. Um, left the faucet on. It stayed on for two hours. The drain was clogged because one of them clogged it too before that. It was kind of a team effort. And, uh, and it's, it spilled over and flooded the whole bathroom. The water dripped down into the basement. It's into the ceiling. The ceiling is like caving in now and, and, and uh, it went into the HVAC system. And so now we got to bring people out, do a whole demo, which is really interfering with the, with the self-isolation part of it. So it's a whole thing. Um, none of my kids will admit, uh, will, will admit that, that they were responsible for this. Although my, my son tried to, recruit my, tried, tried to recruit his younger brother into taking the fall for it because his younger brother is three years old. And my son tried to convince my younger brother to... To, uh, to admit that he did it. And I only know that because I walked into the room while my older son was saying to his younger brother, so you did it, right, buddy? You did it? You said you did it? You left the faucet on? Didn't you do it? Are you going to tell daddy that you did it? Now, I know you might think, well, I heard my older son saying that to my younger son, which means that my older son is the one responsible, and maybe he is, but I wouldn't put it past his twin sister, the older brother's twin sister, to convince her brother to try to convince the younger brother to take the fall because the sister would know that I would hear the brother trying to convince the other brother and then think that it's his fault. You know, it's, it's like that level of, of manipulation is something that my daughter's capable of at the age of six. Anyway, um, all that is just to say, this is why Gwyneth Paltrow is canceled. My bathroom flooded. And so Gwyneth Paltrow is canceled. That sums it up. That's the logic. Now we'll go to emails, uh, a, just one, one email, why I'm wrong. And in fact, this represents probably about five or six emails I got just like this uh, from people on the other side of the, of the pond. Remember, you can become a Daily Wire member and, and that way send emails to the, the Matt Walsh Show. This is from Stephanie says, Dear Matt, thank you for your cancellation of the Derbyshire police for its totalitarian heavy-handedness towards walkers, richly deserved. To add the correct sinister, sinister touch and not distract us with the comical pronunciation Derbyshire, uh, please note that the name of this county is pronounced Derbyshire with the emphasis on the first syllable. Derbyshire. Many thanks for your good company, especially in these difficult times. Derbyshire. Is that Derbyshire? Derbyshire? Derbyshire. Well, here's the thing, Stephanie. Like I said, I got five or six emails correcting me on how I pronounce Derby, Derbyshire, Derbyshire, and you're all telling me different things about how to pronounce it, unless I just don't understand your pronunciation guides, which is possible. But either way, this is America, okay? And in this country, there are no rules of pronunciation. We just pronounce stuff however we want, and everything is pronounced 50 different ways depending on where you live. And that's the way things work here in America. So don't you try to tell me how to pronounce the names of your towns. I'll pronounce it how I please. Derbyshire. Over there in Derbyshire. Um, that's the pronunciation. 
Okay, that's the way we do things in our culture. Also, don't try to impose your truth on me about how to pronounce things. Because that's the other thing we've learned in recent times. That, uh, you know, we all have our own rules of language, pronouns, everything. And so this is, this is my rule. This is my truth. Don't try to impose on me, you bigot. But thank you for the email. And we'll leave it there. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Thanks for listening. Stay safe out there. God bless. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring, supervising producer Mathis Glover, supervising producer Robert Sterling, technical producer Austin Stevens, editor Danny D'Amico, audio mixer Robin Fenderson. The Matt Walsh Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. Five days after President Trump said he hopes the country will reopen again by Easter, the president changed course and announced an extension of federal lockdown guidelines through the end of April. We will examine the catch-22 of COVID-19. Then, the World Health Organization continues to bungle coronavirus, but never fails to parrot Chinese Communist Party propaganda. We will take a look at the WHO and why it needs to go. And finally, New York Mayor Bill de Blasio threatens to shut down churches and synagogues permanently if they have the audacity to hold religious services during the pandemic. All that and more. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. Michael Knowles Show.